it just goes to show, doesn't it, that, that the perceived barriers that were there before, something happens and people just go, you know what, this is bigger and more important. Um, and I think that's sort of what we're seeing a little bit with, with, with COVID-19. I think initially people were sort of just going, okay, I've got to go and get my, you know, panic buy, I've got to survive. Right. Now we're sort of going, well, hang on, we're actually going to be okay. So now people are being a little bit more astute with where they spend their money and going, well, you know, if I'm going to get those supplies, maybe I'll go and get those supplies from this local guy who's got a, you know, grocery box as opposed to necessarily going to the, the large multinational. Um, and that's that's where we come in. So we're, we're very much, you know, putting those kinds of things into people's, um, you know, digital feeds and the rest of it to give them opportunity to go, okay, you might have thought about, going to Dan Murphy's to go and get your wine, why not just go and get it direct? Um, because, you you know, there's that person right there. You can actually see them. You're helping them. Real People is produced by Square Holes, an agency conducting and publishing customised explorative research on key consumer markets, customers and population segments. Square Holes also provides associated consulting and support to ignite positive business and social behaviour change. Visit squareholes.com for more. Radio, hello there. My name is Jason Dunstone and welcome to Real People, where we interview average and not so average people, academics, researchers and leading thinkers to help us better understand what real people believe and how they behave. Today we are joined by Brent Hill, the Executive Director of Marketing at the South Australian Tourism Commission. The leader behind recent campaigns, Book Them Out, responding to the devastating bushfires, and SATV, sharing content from across South Australia, responding to the stay-at-home COVID-19 pandemic. Brent could have never imagined being involved in a tourism campaign to encourage people to stay at home, but that's the situation at the moment and for the foreseeable future. How does a tourism team deal with such a predicament? This is a most fascinating discussion about marketing and leadership in a topsy-turvy world, including empowering the team to ever seek inspiration and to unlock Edward de Bono's thinking caps, not overusing the black hat, encouraging tourism operators to share their stories through compelling content that nowadays does not need to be of the highest production standards. And stimulating joy in challenging times is critical. Encouraging people to support local producers through online purchasing of artisan wine, gin, food and other products is important to build connection and to build a huge appetite for travelling South Australia's wonderful regions once the restrictions are removed. A discussion about marketing and joy in a world of uncertainty and chaos. A let's not waste a moment. On with the show. Hit it! That's what I'm talking about! Wait! Okay now, from the beginning. Thanks for joining us today, Brent. I'm going to start off with a question I've asked in the last couple. How are you feeling? It's a funny question at the moment, but how are you feeling? Yeah. Look, I think if I'm really honest, I, I, I have, you know, oscillated with, with feelings. I think, um, you know, initially it was a, a, a flurry to thinking about our industry and what I, what we could do and, you know, because we, we take our, you know, position as, as you know, um, looking after our industry really responsibly. 
So there was that real flurry of like, what can we do? And then activity and we had a real purpose and so on, which was great. And then, um, so we were feeling, you know, optimistic that we'd found some solutions. Um, and then I think you sort of hit with the reality of, you know, how long this might be and how tough it is for, for guys out there and not everybody can innovate. Um, <clears throat> so look, I'll, I'll be honest, I wouldn't say my mood is being consistent. I think it does change. When, when did it sort of hit? So because we've in, in Australia had the bushfire, so a lot of people yeah. were finishing up 2019 thinking 2020 sounds pretty good and then we had the bushfires and then we've had obviously COVID-19. Yeah. When did some of my best sort of um, warning bells start ringing for you guys? Yeah, so um, I, I was actually across in uh, Los Angeles um, in late January, so around um, Australia Day. Um, that Australia Day long weekend, I was I was over in Los Angeles and we were doing a piece over there for the Book Them Out campaign and, and you know, trying to get Americans to re-engage and come back to Australia post the bushfires. Um, and that's when uh, we started to sort of, you know, hear more about what was going on in China and the fact that there might might be, you know, shut down of borders and, and planes not flying. And, 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 you know, from that point, I remember we were having a conversation with Tourism Australia and everybody in the room was just dealing with the bushfire issue. And there was a couple of us that sort of were pulled away on the side and we were like, gosh, if this becomes a pandemic, then that's going to be worse for us. And we, we flew home and, and it's only escalated since then. Mm-hmm. There we go. Um, I'm going to just, just very quickly, and it's something that I'm kind of trying to keep some degree of normality across these interviews when the world isn't actually that normal. But every one of these interviews, I've kind of asked everybody what they were like as a kid and <laughs> whether it informed them. So what were you like as a kid? About eight years old. Yeah, so um, so like I had a great childhood and, and um, you know, had uh, amazing parents. We, um, it, it looks very forward thinking now. We didn't, we didn't have a lot of media kind of stuff in the house. We didn't have a TV and so on. So um, actually my childhood was spent, you know, uh, discovering, exploring, lots of reading, um, which, which actually, you know, these days is, is uh, it's becoming, you know, a new trend. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I very much, I grew up in a big family. I was the fourth of five kids. Wow. Okay. Um, so, you know, lots and, and had very generous parents. So lots of hospitality, always people coming over. I had, you know, a friend who basically default lived with us for, you know, four or five years. It was over that, that often. Um, so, you know, a, a classic suburban kid. Yeah. Um, North Australia or um, were you? Where, where yeah, I grew, up, I grew up in, um, you know, southern Adelaide. So, you know, lots of time at the beach, lots of time on BMXs, playing sport, that type of thing. Yep, cool. And has your child informed the adult? Yeah, I think so. I, and I've reflected a little bit on that in the sense that um, I guess the one thing that I was really comfortable with for whatever reason um, from an early days was was um, I was pretty comfortable bit making a decision, you know, how you sort of, a group of eight-year-olds and it's like, what are you going to do? And I'd sort of go, well, why don't we go on our bikes and go up to the top and build a force or something rather? And everyone go, yeah, that sounds like a pretty good idea and we'll go up and do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that's probably translated a little bit into the kind of person I am as an adult, which is, um, you know, I don't mind making those decisions and, and making those calls. Um, you know, there's, there's definitely things that life has shaped, you know, I've gone through things in my life that have, that have shaped me, but... Um, yeah, also probably that kid that had a natural uh, exploratory sort of streak. I think I, I still very much have that. Like tourism, um, tourism and marketing are my two great loves, and and so you know to have those 
both of those things combined as, as being a dream. Yeah, and as you were going through, I was I'm quite fascinated sometimes about it. you can have a great idea, but you've got to be able to sell that great idea so other people kind yeah. of embrace it. So your, your big ideas as a kid were, let's go for a BMX right up to the top of that hill. <laughs> and if they all said, no, get stuff, Brent, we're not doing that, it wouldn't have yeah. worked. But they obviously you were able to sell it through. And yeah. also, nowadays you need to be able to sell that, sell those ideas through as well. So like, wider. Yeah, like, nothing. take any lessons of how do you sell a great idea through? Yeah, well, I think I think one of those things is being in a big family. As you can imagine, it was pretty robust, and 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 so you, you um, if you had any airs and graces, they were knocked off pretty quickly. Um, so I think from that perspective, I've always been pretty comfortable to, you know, change direction if if required, um, and haven't been you know arrogant enough to sort of think, well, there's only one way of doing things. And then um, I've been fortunate enough to meet uh, my my beautiful wife, and she's you know, far more qualified than I am. She's got, you know, a, a couple of master's degrees and so on and and, and is a uh, wonderfully, you know, opinionated and free-thinking person. So the great thing is uh, if I if I get something through her um, lens, I, it's, I generally know it's probably going to go, uh, it's going to fly. Yeah, that's good. Cool. Um, one more quick question before we kind of get on to a, a broader discussion. What's the weirdest thing you've seen over the last week? Um and it's certainly been a weird time. But what's something that's really taken you aback? You kind of thought, wow, that's just never would have expected to see that. Yeah. Well, that's a good question. I, I think I, I think it probably goes back to that piece you were saying about the fact that everybody is at home. Um, like I'm a massive Coldplay fan, so this is not necessarily a weird thing, but to look at Chris Martin who's at home and he can't meet with his other bandmates and he's just, you know, playing stuff at his piano, looking at the screen and he invited people in. And, and you know, I, so, so I typed a question and just said, can you play him for the weekend? And he did. Yeah, there we go. Wow. And you just go, that's surreal. Like, that, that, you know, never in my wildest dreams would I think if I ever get, um, you know, close enough to somebody like that. And, and, and yet um, the amazing thing in this whole process is it sort of reduced us all back to just fellow human beings um, trying to get by. Mm, it's interesting, isn't it? And I know in some of these interviews over the last couple of weeks, you have interviewed a couple of CEOs and, and the likes and, and they, they might not have a grand study or whatever. And they're just in the, we did one with um, yeah. Richard Curtis. And I think he, I don't, I don't think Richard would mind, but it looked like he had some kids trophies in the background and whatever. So it was probably his kids' room that seemed like the quietest room at the, the house. And so it's, yeah. and I think it is very kind of, um, it's very grounded really. That it, it's, not, it's levelling, isn't it? Like it, it doesn't matter how much money you've got or prestige or whatever, we've all been reduced to, to just, you know, humans again. So, you know, I mean, as, as dark as it's been, um, you know, I, I, I'm a pretty avid listener. So, you know, podcasts and try and read different things to, to, you know, grow my mind and, you know, I think I think if you all of a sudden have a different mindset of like, what can we learn out of this? What what can we see? Um, there is actually some some pretty amazing things. Yeah. Are you looking at oh, how are you taking it from like you're a marketer, which I assume means you're you're curious about the world and you're looking at sort yeah. of what trends and patterns are. Are you seeing that there are some things changing that are likely to change permanently? Are you seeing this as yeah. a leap? What what's your sort of take on it? What sense are you making of it at this point? Yeah. Look. I, I think I think the people that are making the big grandiose statements, um, I, you know, I'm I'm not, I'm not 
confident enough to, to, to back that in yet. I think when people say the world's changed, we are fundamentally going to change the way we do business, no one's going to get on a plane anymore. I, I, I don't believe that because I think on the, on the flip side, um, you can mount an argument just as strong to say out of this, people are going to be craving that human contact again and want to go back in the office and see everybody. So there's bits of both. I, I, no doubt the world's, you know, um, no doubt the world's changed. Um, and, and I think from that perspective, as, as a market, I'm, I'm really interested in um, the genuine innovation. Like I heard a, a very good podcast. I listened to a guy called Sam Harris and um, he was talking to some guys who, who have a distributed workforce, which is what they call working from home, distributed workforce around the world. And he was saying when you first go into that space, you naturally are trying to replicate exactly what you've got in the office. Mm. So, you know, everything's a little bit chaotic. And then, and then you start to sort of go, well, how would I do something from the ground up using the tools that we've got? And I think that's the thing. I think um, what we're starting to find is perhaps initially in those initial couple of weeks and the flurry of working from home, everybody's tried to replicate exactly what they've got. Um, you know, so if I'm a tourism operator, I'll just do e-commerce. If I'm, you know, working from home, I'll just replicate the office environment. Now I think people have started going, okay, now I've got more and more weeks in front of me. How do I actually, from the get-go, think about somebody who's at home using this tech? And that's where the true innovation will come. I, I think that's the really exciting thing to sort of see um, what comes out, you know, from scratch. Mm-hmm. So that the, the comes out of the, I guess, the mess and turmoil, like what, what gets created. Yeah, okay. yeah. And apologies, you might hear a little bit of uh, Renault noise. I've got a Renault going on in the background, so. It's a good time for it. Um, as a leader, I guess before, like you're a, you're a marketing leader, uh, you've got a, a good size. How, how big is your team, would you say? Um, so, so including my, my overseas guys, I've got about 15 guys based overseas. So we're, so we're around 50, 55. Yeah. So how do you, from a leadership side, obviously you're dealing with probably one of the most disrupted sectors yeah. with all of this, but from a leadership type side of a team now working remotely and trying to keep them on page, but we're not quite sure where we're heading. How, how do you, what, what are some of the sort of the building blocks or some of the, the yeah. things you pulled together for that? Yeah, and I think I think that goes back to, to what I was saying in terms of how, how we work because naturally in that first week, you know, one of your big fears is, um, you know, what, what about if... Um, you know, what, what, what about if people are just sort of sitting at home looking for direction? Um, you know, what about if they're really floundering? And so you probably overcommit in terms of contact um, and probably spend a bit too much time, you know, like on Zoom and, and, and tapping in with it, like, you know, are you sure you understand what needs to be done and so on? And so I think, I think as time has progressed, what I've realised, you know, working with the team is, um, you know, you definitely have to, you know, trust and back your guys, you know, that, that they're, they're good workers, they understand what we're trying to do and really sort of set the tone. So from our perspective, our thing is like how do we create value for our industry still? And then from that perspective, once we're clear on what that is, um, let's go execute that. But then you can you can grab a group of people off the back of that and say, well, as that group is now putting all of that together, how can we keep the momentum going and come up with some new stuff again? Mm. Um and that, that's been quite exciting. So, yeah, I mean, I rely on um, my next 
layer. So all my sort of senior manager that I have a regular contact with them um, at much the same as, as an exec group, you know, we met, we meet on a daily basis. Um, and, and that's been quite good just to sort of keep that, um, that sense of momentum going and, and, and talking to each other. But yeah, I think that's, that's the key thing. I think oh, to start with, you sort of over communicate because you're like, Oh my gosh, they're at home. They're not hearing from me. Mm. Um, but then you start to sort of realize, okay, let's just let people do their deep work and, and, and get into it. Yeah. And, uh, Stu Austin, who we interviewed uh, a couple of weeks ago, he was talking about, well, the whole kind of culture discussion. So if you haven't got a good culture and a good team now and it's not set up, it's it's kind of hard to have that kind of trust suddenly being built. So if you've got a good trusting team yeah. and you, you can back them, then it's, then it's good there. And, and also being maybe being, I guess, team teams that are kind of, I guess, clear about the task and the outcomes they're looking to achieve. So if you're clear about the outcomes, then you can you can trust that they're, they're working towards that outcome where if it's just too nebulous and vague, then it's a little bit harder to, yeah. to manage remotely. Is that, is that I think, I think that's the thing, to be honest. I think with this process, it's actually probably honed us down because, you know, we haven't been able to do the full width and depth of what we uh, would have liked to have done. Um, so it's sort of honed us down. So we've actually been really super focused on, you know, a couple of key deliverables and that, that way we've been able to get those through really quickly. Mm. So how would you kind of it's kind of it's not it's never easy yeah um, but when you kind of get to this point where it is so uncertain which obviously the governments are talking about it could be six months but from travel yeah. side of saying it could be eighteen months it could be two years and uh, we're not quite sure how do you kind of set objectives or targets when it when it is kind of nebulous well what's what's your sort of thinking around yeah look I think I think the the biggest thing for us um, Jace is is really about um, you know, as I say trying to provide value to the industry so our you know, our first thought was how, how can we support our industry to keep them surviving? Um, so actually our first thought was um, around just literally providing, you know, cash grants um, because, you know, it's one thing to say, well, let's go and spend money on an advertising campaign that is going to generate X amount of dollars. But if I can actually just give that money to somebody and that enables them to survive a little bit longer. So that was the first thing we went into. Um once the federal and state governments sort of came in with their um, uh, safety net arrangements as well, I, I think businesses started to get a little bit more of an assurance of like, okay, I'm, I'm probably going to survive. I can now sort of hibernate. Um, now how can I innovate and talk to that, you know, really large audience that's, that's largely, you know, at home and certainly at night time is, you know, got a lot of time at home just consuming media. So that's where we've, we've started to then, you know, innovate and sort of go, well, how, like how do we, you know, keep in touch with people and show people different things that these tourism businesses are doing. Mm. But I think one of the things that I've noticed as a trend within tourism was initially there was a big flurry of, you know, here's what's beautiful about our destination and we'll see you later. Like it literally was just here's something to dream about we'll talk to you down the track and kind of like we've got nothing to show you for the next four months. Uh, and we wanted to avoid that because we felt like there was an opportunity to talk to people throughout and keep our brand going uh, and then focus on recovery. Yeah. So I'll, I'll come back to the COVID-19 sort of where we are now and where we're moving forward in, in, a, in a little bit. But you go back to when the bushfires started hitting in a, across Australia and that was um, we were hearing stories of 
uh, people, you know, obviously in South Australia and Kangaroo Island and the Adelaide Hills and even along the um, east coast of Australia, kind of their normal Christmas holidays were told to to go home and cancel it. Like, how, how do you, like, how did, what was the reaction, I guess, from your operators and then obviously your team when all of that was occurring? That, that must have been kind of um, very challenging. But how, how do you how do you respond to that? Yeah, like during the bushfires? Yeah, the bushfires, yeah. Yeah, yeah, particularly, I mean, that was, um, you know, on, my, on one side, again, that was, you know, a really difficult, um, a difficult thing because we we saw, you know, a lot of cancellations, you know, you know straight away. Um, and so one of the things that we've um, probably been praised about a lot with Book Them Out was how quickly we came out. But I think that was, you know, that was a necessity because of how quickly the cancellations were happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the absence of anybody sort of saying it was okay to to travel again, people were just making their own mind up and saying, I'm out of there. Um, and so we were seeing, you know, summer, which is such an important month, a uh, couple of months in a tourism operator's business. Um, you know, the summer for Kangaroo Island was, was looking really bad and Adelaide Hills was getting impacted, even even parts of Adelaide and right up to Air Peninsula was, were getting um uh, cancellations, but I think the good thing with the book them out piece was was that uh, we bought into enabling people to, you know, do something that could actually genuinely help that was other than just you know donating. Mm. Um, and because we had that first mover advantage, I think I think people sort of went, okay, so I'm being given permission to travel, and also that that travel is actually. Um, you know, genuinely helping. So it wasn't, you know, virtue signalling. It was actually a genuine thing. So we were saying to people, look, go do what you normally do, like go on holiday, just do it in these locations and, and um, uh, you'll do, you're going to do a great thing. So, you know, what we've seen is the numbers uh, around the Book Them Out campaign was 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 staggering. I mean, you know... When some was of the first hit, Brent? Was that mid, middle of January? Yeah, so probably um, like... January the third was sort of yeah. the, the the main impact from there. Um, the bushfire in um, in the Adelaide Hills was late December, yeah. very very late December. So around that sort of period. Um, so yeah, actually a lot of the businesses were able to recover, um, and the support was was amazing. So that I, I guess that's one of those things. I look to the other side of COVID nineteen, and I go. You know, there's a little bit of optimism to say, look, if you direct people the right way, show them how, um, you know, that they can respond, that they can respond and, that, and they will respond. That The issue that we've got now, though, is it's just so much bigger. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you've just got so many more people that, that, you know, money certainty is a lot more problematic, you know, a lot more people out of work. Um, those people may not be able to travel. But, you know, I, I, again, we'll probably adjust. You know, the, the, the focus on just being able to just, just get in the car and go down to, you know, Port Elliot and go around to your peninsula and whatever and have a very inexpensive but, um, you know, refreshing break, um, getting out into the open air, like people are going to be craving that, I think. Yeah, I think so too. With, with um, Book Them Out, was that, would, would you say that was a campaign more aimed at locals, supporting local those local key regions or was it? Was it kind of getting interstate and overseas as well? It was really my sense was it was a yeah. about the local being kind to those regions that um, yeah. mean so much to the state. Yeah, that was the, like, that was always going to be the biggest part was that the, the emotive pull of 
of um, South Australians um, to their own state, which was amazing. That was incredible. But um, it was interesting. We did we did run book them out interstate as well, but we we were very very conscious of the fact that that also had really bad experiences, and we didn't want to come off as um, only support us, you know, in in South Australia without being aware of the fact that there was this difficulty that you know Victoria, New South Wales, and parts of Queensland had. So. The messaging was a little bit different around essentially supporting regions but saying, hey, look, if you want to support a bushfire-affected region and you're looking a little bit further afield, we're here in South Australia, we'd love to look after you. And, and, and that, that worked pretty well. Yeah. And I, I found it fascinating from a behaviour side and just attitudes, I guess, around the whole bushfires that it showed, I guess, the kindness. I guess that it was there's points so you can be cynical about people in the past decade or so where it feels like we in some ways become more selfish and self-centred but a campaign like this goes out and people sort of really both in terms of fundraising for bushfires but also book them out it certainly kind of really um yeah got, got a huge re- response so it kind of shows yeah. that there's a, a kindness to wanting wanting it to work so yeah we, we got um RAA actually sent through to us just the other day um, some survey data that they that they'd done of their members, and um, you know, I know you love research and a good stat. Yeah. So, um, you know, it was extraordinary actually to see the amount of people that had considered going to KI. You know, it was still in the sort of ten percent type of category, um, whereas as a result of the book amount and the bushfires and whatever, that was well up into the forties. Mm-hmm. Um, so, it just goes to show, doesn't it, that that the perceived barriers that were there before something happens. And people just go, you know what, this is bigger and more important. Um, and I think that's sort of what we're seeing a little bit with, with, with COVID-19. I think initially people were sort of just going, okay, I've got to go and get my, you know, panic buy, I've got to survive. Right. Now we're sort of going, well, hang on, we're actually going to be okay. So now people are being a little bit more astute with where they spend their money and going, well, you know, if I'm going to get those supplies, maybe I'll go and get those supplies from this local guy who's got a, you know, grocery box as opposed to necessarily going to the, the large multinational. Um, and that's, that's where we come in. So we're, we're very much, you know, putting those kinds of things into people's, um, you know, digital feeds and the rest of it to give them opportunity to go, okay, you might have thought about going to Dan Murphy's to go and get your wine. Why not just go and get it direct? Um, because, you, you know, there's that person right there. You can actually see them. You're helping them. Mm. And, and and it's been a, it's been a really interesting few months where, as I said, um, the bushfire seemed to be about kindness, and then yeah. the initial bit of COVID was very much about yeah how many how many rolls of toilet paper can you stack in and it's, yeah. well, some supermarkets nowadays and it's like toilet paper never existed, which is quite quite bizarre. Um, and I think we're kind of we are we're certainly coming back to that local. What we'll probably find is people kind of coming back to supporting. Yeah. Um, local businesses and understanding how important they are and we'll have a reset that we're kind of understanding that local businesses and yeah. um, food merchants and wine merchants, et cetera, are going to be um, sort of really imp- important. So I think that's really we, – we, we are sort of seeing that kindness come back out there and people wanting to, to support. So and are you sort of seeing that as part of the – I guess obviously there's a financial side of supporting these businesses, so they've got sort of revenue coming in that yeah. direction. But also part of the story of, of these regions. Yeah. Or? Look, I, I think so. I mean, I, I feel. I mean, I've always felt this way. I've been an avid traveller my whole life, and and been lucky enough to travel a lot around the world. And you know, I remember 
you know, there are, of course, there are beautiful places around the world, but I remember coming back um, on a holiday with Kel um, to uh, where we'd come back from, from Bali and, unfortunately, it was just a horror show for, <laughs> for about a week. And we came back and, and um, my brother has a place at Port Elliot and we went down to Port Elliot and we were staying down there. And we looked at each other after a day and just said, what on earth? Like, why did we not just come down here? Um, and we would have got all the things that we wanted to a world-class setting, we were safe, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Wouldn't have had any of the issues that we'd had. And, you know, on one hand, of course, I recognise that people are always going to want to explore but I think I think if if through this process people understand and appreciate and perhaps look at their backyard with a little bit more admiration, um, then that will be a good thing. I mean, what we have in in South Australia, I think people have got a newfound appreciation for just how epic it is. You know, the the, the coastline, the um, the wine regions, the outback areas. Um, you know, it's 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 pretty amazing. So I'm looking forward to that side. I'm looking forward to you know, seeing those numbers change and seeing people getting out to some of those regions that they've never been to before. Mm. So would you say at this point in time, I'm looking, got, got your website open on my side screen and it's very much about COVID-19, how to respond. It's a bit, yeah. uh, is it about kind of what, what can we do to support you at the moment? But I'm assuming you've got sort of, um, and how do we prepare as we come out of this? It's, it's almost like balancing those two, isn't it? It's almost like a... yeah. Yeah, so you'll see that thing on the on the website called SATV. That that's probably the main thing that we're really investing our time in at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and essentially, what that is is, you know, how how you can, um, you know, get get behind our industry, um, you know, during this during this period, and and mm-hmm. and still, you know, have have a good time. So part of that is, um, obviously, showing you giving you travel inspo. Um, but also just, you know, we've, we've got these amazing um, operators out there and these amazing characters. So, you know, one of the first things that we put up there was, you know, Rodney Fox because he's got such an amazing story and then built this amazing business of the Rodney Fox, um, you know, shark expeditions. So, um, you know, we got him to tell his story and, and so on. So that kind of content, you know, we had huge numbers of viewers, you know, watching that. So the great thing was, um, you know, we've realised that, that, that's part of our opportunity now while people can't travel, excuse me, is to tell the stories of some of these characters and the regions and the produce and, and they can support now, um, you know, like we've got things on there, how to make the perfect cheese platter and, of course, as a response to that, you know, go and buy the cheese platter from Chris Lloyd. Yeah, but yeah. what that does build as well is it does build the thing of going, oh, geez, this, this cheese is amazing. These people are fantastic. When we come out of this, I'm, I'm definitely going up to Woodside. I'm going to go check that out. So it does two things. It actually helps in the interim sort of get people across the line and it builds the brand so that on the other side there's this, you know, pent-up demand to get out there and go and visit. Mm. And does that change your, like, the what it means to have a, I guess, the structure of a marketing team? I would have, we've got a couple of clients where, they have journalists involved in their marketing team or content's much more of a bigger thing and it's been talked about for the last decade, but it's been certainly becoming more and more different skills. Yeah. But where, like where do you kind of take it? I guess for that, I guess yours is a, yours is a bit, bit different too. You've got an overarching, the brand, and then you've also got the individual operators that you, you're almost yeah. skinning them up as well. Is that, is that fair? Oh, it's enormous. I think, I think that sort of content storytelling space, I mean, it's only getting bigger. Um, 
you know, and, and, and I look at it now and saying, you know, if we didn't have, if we hadn't built our, you know, strength in digital and content and whatever, we would be nowhere right now because we'd be trying to build it all from scratch. So mm-hmm. I think the advantage from our perspective is that we had something which was really robust um, and could expand on it. But I think the opportunity now is, is, is really to look forward as well and say, well, you know, off the back of this, what are some of the things that we might actually bring into play as part of our playbook? And so we talk about SATV now, that's the sort of the moniker, if you like, but it's, um, you know, it's just a content page. But, you know, do we actually go down that path? Do we actually have a YouTube channel called SATV where, you know, if you want to experience what South Australia is like before you come, you can get a, you know, a really quick overview. I mean, that, that's the exciting thing. You know, you can trial stuff now. It won't matter hugely, but on the flip side, what does that actually mean in terms of how you change your business? Mm. That is a, a good, really good point you made about it. You can trial it, and I guess the the rules to some extent have changed. So if you did something sort of three six months ago, people might quite kind of question, yeah, where's your strategy and where's your where's the um where's your focus? But now you know it's a it's a bit of a playtime. The rules are different. The rules have oh, changed absolutely. a little bit. And like a good example of that was you know we we for example we would never put any any filming or cinematography out there unless it was you know fantastic. And through this process, you know, people are so much more forgiving. So, you know, lo-fi stuff is is totally fine. Um, so the, the the advantage that we've got now is, you know, we've been able to play with the Facebook Live type stuff a little bit more and sort of go, well, what are the advantages of doing something live in terms of you get all that Q&A, you get all that instant feedback. And, okay, the footage is not quite as, as, as slick as what it once was, but look at all the other engagement that you get that you perhaps didn't get before so so i think that's something we're going to do more of there's no doubt going forward and am i fair to say that sa tourism provides a good platform or solid platform that you've been building up over recent years yeah to allow that content to get out to a, a bigger audience so through your social channels yeah. and your website but you're really you're looking i guess you're creating your own content as well but you're looking for individual operators and regions to create their own content that they can share with you guys. Yeah, I think yeah. that's the great thing about it is, you know, we had built this thing, you know, from when I first came in because my background was in banking. So we understood e-commerce and how important that was. And, and we, you know, we built up SouthAustralia.com and our social channels. I mean, we've got, thankfully, we've got this, you know, fantastic following. So we, we haven't actually put any paid media out there at all yet. Um, and it's actually just relying on 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 that organic traffic. Um and, you know, like I'd love to see the numbers uh, keep increasing and so on because um, that's naturally what you like as a marketer. But, but at the same time, it's, it's, it's really encouraging to know that we've actually built an audience that's there anyway mm. that, as you, as you can say, you can sort of trial things for um, no, no real cost um, and experiment with them. And then as our industry uh, keeps innovating, we, we go with them. So, so the cool thing is, you know, we put SATV out, SATV out there sort of went, this is the concept. People have jumped on board and gone, yeah, we understand what you want to do. So now they're designing things for it, which is great. So they're coming to us saying, we've got something we think is perfect for SATV. Would you like to take a look at it? Of course, of course we will. Mm-hmm. So, so that's really exciting. Yeah, that's good. And then you've, you've got a captive audience. I think there's some stats out recently of, I think from Nielsen, of all the media outlets have got rising 
readership levels at the moment because people are captive at, at home. I know we're even finding with our little thing that we send out every Friday that it's going, grown for 200, 300% each week because people are now at home and stuck there, so, which is yeah. great. But the, the, the positive side of people being stuck at home is they're, they're, they're hungry for decent content, which is, which is really good. You mentioned yeah. um, Rodney Fox. So he's sort of shark, shark dives and the likes, isn't he? So that's pretty spectacular. Can you think of... Other other organisations doing it well, when you, like either on a quite polished, and they're putting a lot of investment into it, a lot of time into it, or even just sort of a little bit more, a little bit more rustic. Yeah, yeah. So um, a couple of examples, like um, so, one of them is is a KI business. So obviously, no one's going over to KI, um, but they are they they love the idea of SATV. So so they're going to go out in the car. Um, so it's a tour guide owner and a tour guide going out in their car, essentially GoPro footage, um, and they'll they'll be understanding that they're going to have an audience that is listening and watching. So normally if you were sitting in the car, there might be periods of five minutes where they're not saying anything, uh, which you can't do um, mm-hmm. on content. So, you know, they're going to be going around explaining things like, you know, the animals they're seeing, the um, topography of the land, et cetera. So literally giving you a virtual tour. Um, I think the things like, um, you know, the guys where the chefs are going that little bit further than rather than just saying, you know, you can order my meal, it's actually like I'm going to send you the ingredients and I'm going to teach you how to make it. Yeah, okay. Um, that's the kind of thing I think is is fantastic. We've got um, the guys up in Arcarula, like no one's going up into Arcarula, um, but we've got Doug Sprigg to come on um, and he is explaining you know, all of the, you know, amazing um, patterns you can see in the sky. Um, so from that perspective, you look at it and say, you know, it's, it's one of those things, we can't go there, but through his mind and through his, you know, direction and taking us through it, um, you really get a, an insight into, into what, it's, what it's like. And I think from that perspective, I think it does, that, it does do those two things. So we've built this thing called a, a virtual tip jar so the advantage is if you enjoy Doug's, um, you know, his tour, you can tip him $5 and say, you know, thanks for that. I watched that. That was great. Um, so that does one thing, which, you know, just uh, gives him a, a, a thumbs up and, and, and a thank you. Um, and then if, if enough people do that, you know, that helps pay some bills. Um, but what it also does is it gives you, um, you know, brand salience, which, of course, is really important. So people go, yeah, maybe I might go on that outback trip after this. You know, I've always wanted to go to the outback, and they're obviously not being able to go to you know Positano or something or other. So they go, yeah. well, yeah, maybe I'll go to the outback. So is it from a small operator side, and and in dealings we have with small operators in different regions, particularly across South Australia, is when things get tough, it's it's challenging because it's they often don't yeah. have a little big team, but. What what would you kind of bring back as the you've gone through it already uh, to a certain extent, but the the core sounds like it's it's is it is it comfort in telling their story their way? Is it really just about? It's it probably even, I, I'm I'm guessing it's about just starting with something and then and getting more comfortable with with sharing yeah, their story via is like video what, like you're sort of thinking yeah. video and yeah. it is. I think it's about telling their story and 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 getting that out in a really compelling way and um, you know. Every so often there's there's people that are going to hit the jackpot through this. Um, you know, like locally, for example, just in the last day, um, you know, we've seen the guys from Drake have got Drake yeah. Supermarket, right? Yeah. They've got their regular YouTube chat kind of thing that probably, you know, gets a few thousand people 
and all of a sudden he's been commenting about panic buying and so on and boom, it's just gone crazy. Mm-hmm. You know, they've had like 50,000 views and it's all over the paper and whatever, which, which I think is fabulous because it's an it's a, it's a example of something which is current, topical, and, and they're in there. So I think from that perspective when um, some of our operators, um, you know, there's a couple of things where they're doing like virtual community gigs and things like that. Some of those, I think, they'll tap into something that, that is really good and people want to do, uh, and that'll that'll go gangbusters and and it will open up new new avenues. So you know things like the zoo doing, mm. um, you know, essentially a live stream of the cages. Um, you know, I know my wife has now. Um, I think it's a aquarium in Chicago where they've let the penguins loose. No oh, wow! Okay. They're sort of wandering around the aquarium. <coughs> she logs in every day. Logs in every day to go check it out. So, mm. you know, it's people that are coming up with interesting things and different things that you perhaps haven't seen before that are winning. Yeah. So it sounds like it's trial and error. Yeah. 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 The, the rules have changed. So, and, it, and it's like you can, you can play with it a little bit. If it doesn't work, stop mm. doing it. Try something different. Yeah. And, but but yeah. Don't, don't just go into hibernation, as you made a point before. Yeah, well, they, they, they can if, they, if that's, that's what they choose, but... But you don't need to go into hibernation. You can keep the story alive and, and moving yeah. forward. And so it sounds like from a strategy side, whether it's SA Tourism overall or whether it's a single operator, it's it's kind of preparing for when the light at the end of the tunnel starts to appear, isn't it really? Yeah, yeah, so I think so. Um, and and there's, there's probably two good examples that I can use on, on that, Jason. I mean, one of them was, um, you know, Getaways SA, um, they, they run a wine tour company. Um, you know, quite successful. They go up to the broth, so they take people around. Um, that obviously crashed and burned, you know, because they couldn't take people around. So they had to sort of think on their feet. They saw the SATV type stuff and they went, well, hang on, what about if we went to some of these businesses in the Brossa, got their produce, packed it all together, and you can do a pick and pack, put it all together, and, and they deliver it. Um, so I ordered one of those the other day and it was great. I had these two, you know, uh, home-cooked meals like duck lasagna, cheesecake, amazing, you know, wine, bread, hot cross buns, the whole thing. Um, and what was great was that started to work really well for them. They were on SATV. We were promoting it. Um, they started to get a lot of business, so they need people to pack the boxes and deliver them. Um so then they went to the guys at Segway Sensations, who is a, another tourism business who can't run, and they're, they're good friends. And so the guys said, well, hey, why don't you come and help us out with these boxes? Um, and so you look at it and say, well, that's not going to last forever. That's just a thing that's going to get them through the next sort of five months. But it keeps people interested and engaged. The beautiful thing is the Segway Sensation guys have their brochures and whatever which they can put into those boxes. They can tell their story gets their brand out there, um, and it just keeps things ticking along. And that's exactly what we're really looking for is that that, that thing of going um, just innovate to keep yourself alive and tell your story in a different way. And and from our perspective, what we'll do is we'll make sure that gets out to an audience because that's clever. That that should be given airplay. Hmm. The, the demand for joy in times of chaos, are you obviously finding that people are liking what you're producing because it's, it's not about COVID nineteen. It's about yeah. travelling. It's about food. Is, is that is that what you? I think so. I mean, you know, how many times can you see a a, a tally? Yeah, you know? that's right. 
I think you look at it and go, look, we all know we're, we all know we're going to be stuck in this situation for probably a good three months at least. So how many how many times do you really need to see the tally and how bad it is in Italy and so on? I mean, I can't do anything about that. I sympathise with it. it. It's very difficult in Italy or China or, or US or whatever, but essentially eventually people start to swing and sort of start to go, okay, I'm going to be at home. I'm doing my part. I'm not panicking anymore. Now what can I bring into my life that brings joy? And, like, you know, for us, just getting packages is actually really cool. Mm -hmm. Being at home and somebody knocks on the door and says, hey, your books have arrived or your jigsaw puzzles arrived or your gins arrived, you know, it's great. Yeah. Um, Do do you kind of uh, have a sense of where we're heading? I know you sort of noted before that you it's yeah. can't predict the future and it sort of sounds like a lot of the work you're doing is to put um, have the conversation and the story so when it comes out there's a there's a, a preparedness to travel, a, a desire to yeah. travel. Do you have any sort of sense of how maybe travel trends might change or what the most likely yeah. kind of appear might be first? Yeah, I think, I think what you'll see is very much that we'll come out of this the same way we went in. So I think that you'll see... Um, some gentle relaxing of, you know, you might be able to meet with groups up to 10, you know, you might be able to go into a restaurant but limited to 20, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And I think it will go out from there. So so I think um, what's almost certain is that uh, things like interstate travel and, you know, weekends, day trips and whatever will, will be in there somewhere. Um, I don't think that will be one of the first things to come through because it's it's a luxury to some degree. So I think some of those other things that allow some of those uh, businesses to run will probably come first. And then, um, you know, things like the weekend trips and, and enabling to travel around your own state, I think that, that will come first. Mm. I think it will then be some time before, you know, planes start rolling domestically, but that will be the next one. And then I think you almost have to wait for a vaccine before international travel, unfortunately. I, I just... I think, you know, all the indications that we're seeing, you know, New Zealand have talked about their borders going to stay closed until a vaccine's there. I think people are really nervous that they open it all up, they get a lot of infections, they have to go back in again. That's right. So yeah, I've had some discussions um, the, the the second wave is the wave you worry about, so you've just got to manage it very carefully so you don't just re- relax too quickly, um, yeah. which is interesting. But I guess there's sort of... Even in talking to you now, is that that comfort in not expecting the light at the tunnel to be too close. So particularly when it gets to overseas travel. So if you go, well, it's going to be at least this year, but probably this year and a bit of next year. It, it you can still prepare for it, but but it doesn't. It means you're not necessarily expecting it. You're not. You can adjust your KPIs. Yeah. You can adjust your expectations, um, but knowing that day trips might be first cab off the rank. Then it might be the interest interstate sort of travel within the state, yeah. um, interstate following from that. So really, just almost stepping it out means yeah. that you can't control it. So you've got to just sort of relax into what your strategy might be to, to best deal with yeah. that situation. I think that's the thing. I think I think as well, probably some of those businesses in in South Australia that have been geared around uh, international travel and travellers, um, they might need to do some adaptation. Um, to, to cater for a domestic audience, but a domestic audience is a, that is a little bit more open. Mm. So, you know, if a domestic audience is now only can travel within Australia, 
that they, they're definitely going to be looking at, like they don't have any other options, so they're going to be looking at you more. So those guys that were catering for an international audience have obviously still got a product that's great, but how do they just adjust that ever so slightly so that, um, you know, perhaps it's got a slightly different nuance. So, for example, um, some of the wildlife tours, as you can imagine, if you're from Germany or China or whatever, that, that's the most incredible thing, going and seeing kangaroos and koalas. For you and I, it's, it's not as big a driver, so maybe that tour operator needs to bring in a bit more of a food and wine element uh, and a nature element as well as um, uh, that. So they make a bit of an adjustment uh, for a domestic audience, and I, and I think you'll see that. Yeah, and I'm assuming a local audience is more price sensitive maybe? Yeah, yeah, so yeah. They'll, they'll adjust some of the pricing, yeah. And I think, I think, you know, that's the thing we saw that with KI, for example, with the bushfires because... You know, there was a lot of businesses that used to go right up to the end and go to Flinders Chase and so on. Um, you know, those businesses quickly adapted and and did all the stuff down the eastern end rather than down the west end. So, um, you know, to try and make sure that no one was deprived of anything. And I, I think that innovation, like, um, you know, they, they sort of say never waste a crisis and that, you yeah. know, it's sometimes it, it's a um, necessity of invention. You know, and, and, and I think that's that's probably what we're seeing. Yeah. Do you look overseas and and see really clever innovation on a, in a tourism sense or even not in a tourism sense? You mentioned your wife following the aquarium, yeah. releasing the penguins. you see others that you yeah. kind of think that's that's pretty cool? And we say maybe you know, money wasn't an issue or there might be some reasons they can do that that we might not be able to? Yeah, no, definitely. And and, and one of the things that, I, that I'm really enjoying at the moment is um, one of our agencies uh, sends out a thing, um, comes out a couple of times a week, and it's just here's what people are doing. So, yeah. you know, whether or not that's, you know, Nike with their stuff of like, you know, it's you against the world. Um, you know, I saw a fantastic one the other day where um, Carlton United Breweries have done this thing where you can buy a beer at your local yeah, yeah. and then you go and redeem it on the other side when you can go back into the pub. Yeah. Um, I love the sentiment of it. The mechanism's great. So, you know, next time I have a, a meeting with my guys, I just sort of put that out there and just said, this is a really cool idea. It's an easy thing for people to do. It connects you back into your local. What can we do in tourism that looks like that? Yeah, okay. Um, so that, so that's... You that. that's so you do that as a team, will you? So you'll, you'll keep your eyes and, and ears open for great ideas in Australia and overseas that you might be able to adopt, yeah. Yeah, I think when we... so. We, we had three initial ideas where the first idea we had when everything started to go pear-shaped was um, the idea was called work from here. So the idea was, okay, everyone's going to have to go work from home. So accommodation uh, providers could offer their beautiful property yeah. as a place to go and work from. So saying rather than working from your dingy flat, why don't you go and um, stay for like three or four days at a beautiful beach shack and work from there and you get a break and all the rest of it and then you can spend the weekend down there. Now, that was great while you could travel. Now you pretty much have to stay home, so we had to take that one out. Then we had the lounge room tourism, SATV one, which we've got up and running. And the next one we've got is flexi tourism, which is enables you to sort of have a walkthrough. It sort of came from real estate. So you have a walkthrough, virtual walkthrough of the property, and at the end of that you say, well, I, don't, I, I need a flexible dates, but I'm prepared to pay a deposit Lock me in for the October long weekend. Um, so, you know, a few of those things we've started to put into play that came from, 
you know, a couple of weeks back when everyone was in full-blown panic mode, um, I remember one of those great techniques from childhood, this is one of those things I did tap into, was, you know, De Bono's lateral thinking, the six hats. So I said, you know, the black hat is over everything right now. Everything's negative, negative, negative. So let's just take off the black hat for a second and say, what are we seeing with coronavirus? Put the green hat on of big ideas and, and the yellow hat of, like, optimism and go, well, what, what could we do during this period with those kind of hats on? So I was like, I'm not allowing any negative thought, just ideas and optimism. And that's where we started to come up with this stuff of, like, lots of people at home, lots of people consuming media, you know, people open to dreaming. And then we started to go, okay, if that's what people are doing, what, how can we tap into and get our industry connected into that space? And when you look at it like that, all of a sudden the ideas start to flow. So we went from going, oh, my gosh, we don't have an industry to actually, no, we can stay relevant through this. Yeah. So it's really about having a team discussion and, as you said, taking away that black, negative, pessimistic hat and kind of really just yeah. having a thought about what, how do we deal with that as a team and then it sounds like you're prioritising ideas that sound like they've got potential as you come out of those discussions. Yeah, and, you know, same thing with our agencies. We say the same thing to our agencies. We're saying, look, we're not going to discount any idea at the moment just what we want to hear is ideas coming from you've got a captive audience at home what what can we do so the tip jar idea for example was was fantastic because it came from a comedian um who was um wanting to raise money for bushfires um and so she would do these sort of things on a friday night do a sort of virtual show and she had a tip jar on, on her screen and, and one of the guys in the team remembered that and went, oh, you know, this happened. Could we do something similar? And then we were like, well, why, why couldn't we get somebody to go and do their tour, put it up online, we can put the tip jar underneath and if people like the tour, they can tip them money. Mm-hmm. So that, that's what I love is, uh, you know, I love that innovation that comes from looking at things that you, so, so being naturally curious about the world around you uh, brings in a whole lot of different things that you can go, well, maybe we can repurpose that. I mean, I, I don't think we, you should ever be arrogant enough to think that you have to come up with something that no one's ever done before. It's just a matter of repurposing and rethinking. Mm. How did you kind of manage, obviously you're, you're within SA government and you've got stakeholders that might be more conservative than others. <clears throat> One of the conversations we've been having through these interviews is... Um, what the right tone is, certainly when it's, I'd say early mid-March, it was about everybody sending out their COVID-19 response and they were pretty well all the same and they were very negative and it was, it was a, there was one week there in particular that was quite negative because every, every second email you got was sort of this is how we're responding to it. And then some people were saying, oh, you can't, be, you can't be advertising and looking like you've been opportunistic, you've got to be really careful of the tone, you've got to either... Um, Richard Curtis, who we interviewed, said you've got to either help or get out of the way. How, how do you kind of how do you reconcile that of going what the right tone is? We don't want to offend. We don't want to be yeah. insensitive. Uh, how did you kind of bring that into yeah, your? I, I think, I think we were, it's a good question. It's a very good question because I think I think we were fortunate enough, in a way, to have gone through the bushfire experience before that, and and the tonality through the bushfires was really really important. Um, so, you know, we did a number of things with the bushfires where we we went, um, you know, it had to be because we were asking people um, to, to, you know, go back uh, and visit as a tourist, 
areas that have been affected by bushfire, we, we sort of, that's where we did put the black hat on. Yeah. And we said, well, what are all the negative things that people could say? So it was like, oh, tourism's frivolous, you're getting in the way, you're affecting a recovery, we don't want you, um, you know, just give us money, et cetera, et cetera, all of those things. So we, so we looked at all of those uh, and then we sort of looked at how we would, you know, come up with an adequate response to each of those. And then I think probably the best thing that we did was, um, you know, literally while the smoke was still there, um, we travelled both to the Adelaide Hills and KI and just said to the guys there, what do you want? Um, and I think that was the really important thing was a lot of these guys were saying, look, we're out here fighting fires every day, but what we love and what our livelihood is is tourism. So we want to see people back because we want to feel good again. So no one's going to be in the way. Um, we have no problem with the fact that we're going to be out here still cleaning up after the fires, but we want to welcome you to the areas that aren't affected. Um, and we want to see people because we need to survive. So that, that was great to hear that. And then the, I guess the next part of that was the wisdom to then be able to go, well, then it's not us telling that story. Let, let's just let that person who's got the authority, which is the tourism operator, who's been affected, tell that story. So we almost just took all the steam out from those social media hater comments mm-hmm. right off the bat because it's very hard to write something, you know, really strong in terms of saying we shouldn't be going or whatever when you have somebody who's been affected by a fire who owns a tourism business that's bleeding, who's saying to you, it's okay, I'd love you to come. Yeah. Um, So I think from that perspective, we understood there the tone was right. As we came into COVID, the thing with COVID-19 was we realised really quickly, again, the voice here had to be from authority, from government. So it was our voice. So that was the really important thing was people were looking to the government to say, you know, tell us what we need to know about health. And I think that's why the government's done a great job with um, Dr Spurrier locally and Brendan Murphy, the CMO in Australia. They've always had those guys there so that they've said, well, this is what the experts are saying. And so I think from that perspective, I I think we've learned a lot through that process. So initially a lot of our updates were just what you could and couldn't do. Um, but I, ne- I must admit, I never thought I would actually make an ad that said, stay home, we don't want you to travel during Easter. There we go. But we did. It's, it's, it's am- amazing times, isn't it, really? But, but it's, so really getting that permission and, and being respectful of the advice. So it's not, your, it's not necessarily coming straight from you. It's really getting the, the right advice but knowing your stakeholders are behind you, really. And I'm assuming, are you finding now that, the, that there, there's that desire for a desire for a joyful kind of conversation they're they're wanting to have nice stories they're wanting to have yeah yeah Yeah, definitely i mean i think with satv like you know as i said it's something we've we've just put up there quickly um you know there's a lot of work behind that to get it to that point it's not the finished article by any stretch now um but we did a bit of pr launch when it first came out and it got picked up right across the country Mm, and i think a lot of that's to do with the fact that people are just looking for something other than those tallies you know they just wanted some other story to tell. And it's interesting because it, it, it's, it's kind of, it, and it's a really hard balancing act, but it's kind of almost, it, it's easy in some ways and probably um, quite expected really to fall into a, a dark hole and yeah. get negative, but it's almost like what, what's needed is to be able to go through that challenging period with confidence and strength 
is, yeah. I guess, what people are really wanting, aren't they, really? I, yeah, I that's try. right. And I, so I think, I mean, you know, in no way are we trying to downplay, you know, if you've lost your job or both people have lost their job, that, that's very difficult. Um, and so importantly, we've never, you know, we haven't joked. This now is not the time for jokes. But, but at the same time, there's, there's an opportunity there to, to put some stuff out for a lot of people that even though they're in, in difficult circumstances, are also going, well, you know, I don't want to wallow in that forever. You know, like if I look at our family situation, obviously I'm fortunate enough to still be working, but, you know, Kel, um, you know, her, she, like she's on 0.7 um, type thing now and that, that, that kind of thing is pretty, you know, common. We're on forced leave this week. Um, those kinds of things are pretty common where businesses are adapting whatever to, to make sure they get through. But through all of that, I think we also understand, like, there's a real commonality. There's a commonality that we're all in this together. It, like, a lot of people are in that in that same boat now. We're just trying to go, well, how do we make sense of all this? Um, the human spirit is pretty amazing. We saw that through the bushfires. It's quite resilient. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I've got a lot of faith that, that you know we'll adapt and get and get through this, even though it feels you know immensely historical. Like this is a once in a lifetime thing. That's right. That's what that's what they're saying. That it's really we haven't um, seen times like this since World War Two. Um, then out of World War Two, we had quite strong growth for for a few decades. I think Ben Page, who we interviewed in uh, a couple episodes ago, episode forty nine from the UK, he said. But even the pubs were open in World War Two, so we, <laughs> so we at least had them. Um, I think somebody it, said to me the other day. They said like the the Spanish flu pandemic was um, came uh, came after the World War World War One. Um, so you know, really really tough time. But then but then the twenties were the roaring twenties. You know, so uh, maybe maybe that's the thing. Maybe we do see a little bit of that. You know. A joy of, of of living, perhaps that that maybe we got a little bit too enraptured uh, with you know growth and and working and all that kind of stuff over the last five to ten years, and maybe we'll come out of this with a new appreciation for very simple things, which is like you know going to the beach and going on holiday. That's right. That that counterbalancing local with globalization so globalization but then how do we get to be more local and yeah. rather than growth having a bit more sustainable and living a nice life so there we go the, the, the simple things in life not a bad thing that's right we, we started off talking about you as a, a young boy being mixing etc um for young people moving forward and that could be kind of kids or it could be your young marketers coming through yeah. what what how how should they be dealing with this this current moment in time, what, what would you be suggesting for them moving forward? Yeah, look, I, I, the best advice I would I would definitely say at the moment is is um, adding strings to your bow. You know, I I, I heard um, uh, I was listening to a podcast the other day. Um, Craig Hutchinson and and Damien Barrett. You know, um, you know Hutchie's uh, you know media mogul these days. Um, and it was interesting hearing him say how he sort of came up through the ranks. Um, and he's like, he goes, you know, I'm, I'm really a dinosaur these days because he, he goes, you know, I'd, from his perspective, the way that he learned his craft was immensely different to today. Mm. That The kids coming through now, have, you know, got their own blogs and their own Instagram and their TikTok profiles and all the rest mm. of it. Um, and he goes, you know, I understand what that is, but I'm just not in that, in that space. And so I, I look at that and I say it's the same thing. I think young marketers coming through... Um, 
you know, they're living in that generation, my, my take would be be as diversified as you possibly can. Um, so if you have a number of skill sets, you can then adapt and, and you can think. And if you've you know, got a creative mindset, you're always going to um, find a way through. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, links to send people to or best way to find you, Brent? Yeah, I'm pretty, I'm pretty active on LinkedIn. So if uh, people look for Brent Hill on LinkedIn, um, I definitely like to. I, I feel like I've got to a point in my life where I, you know, I've still got a lot of my career in front of me, but I, but I do like to give back, so I don't mind keeping in contact with different people. And yeah. um, I'm, I'm a, a patron of AMI these days as well, so like to see the young guys, you know, coming coming through there. So they're probably the main ones. I, I've got um, uh, I'm on Instagram, but yeah, probably the main thing would be have a look at SATV on SouthAustralia.com. So SouthAustralia.com forward slash SATV. And maybe the next time you think, you know, you need, you know, groceries or something like that, have a look there and sort of see maybe there's a local company that's switched around to provide something, give them a crack, and you, you'll be amazed at how good it feels. Yeah. Do you see any local sort of shops that you're seeing doing that really, really well? Like they've, got, they've gone from being a hospitality provider to an, an online presence? Yeah, I mean, probably the, the one I'm putting out there at the moment, uh, Lot 100, I think they're doing a super job. Um, so they've, you know, switched and become like this, you know, grocer um, and, you know, using all of the local produce from the area, packaged it all in, and you have that pick and pack thing. So you can go in and go, okay, I need, I need pasta, I need groceries, I need some beer and I need some gin and you can get it for all from one location um, from the convenience of home, which, which, which is unreal. I mean... Mm. The fact that, uh, like, if, especially if you're a little bit of a germaphobe or concerned about your health or perhaps a little bit vulnerable, uh, it's absolutely ideal. Mm. Um, so, so I think they've done, a, they've done a super job and that's what I feel uh, gives me the optimism to get out of bed every, every morning because I want to tell their story through our channels and, and help be a part of that success, yeah, for sure. That's excellent. Thank you so much, Brent. Yeah, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it.